Can I get a collective insurance agents from around the world from everybody, okay? We ready? Three, two, one, go. Insurance agents from around the world. Perfect. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Hey guys, it's Bradley with the Insurance Guys Podcast. Before we get started on this week's episode with Tracy Cotton, wanted to fill you guys in on what was going on in the episode. This was actually a live show that Scott and I recorded in Las Vegas with the Keystone Insurance Group. They were very kind and had us out there to do a live podcast on stage with uh, one of their agents, Tracy, who does an amazing job with farm insurance. Her title is Farm to Fork, which you'll hear on there. Really hope you enjoy it. Thanks. So when I found out that Liberty Mutual wasn't going to be here today and Melanie asked me if I would introduce the guest, I started thinking, wow, that's going to be really cool because I'm like a total fanboy for these guys. I've been listening to them for the last 12 to 18 months or so, and I cannot tell you enough that every single podcast, there is value in every single one of them. And I've learned so much and it has impacted my life over the last year. So I would encourage every one of you, how many people have heard of the insurance guys before today? Okay, good. Got some hands. By the end of this session, I want to see every single hand up that every single one of you has downloaded, subscribed to the insurance guys podcast. I promise you it will be the best investment, the best 30 minutes to an hour that you're going to have each week. And while Marcus Sheridan was amazing this morning, how many people like Marcus Sheridan? He was incredible. I'm like, okay, guys, I'm ready to sign up for next year right now. Like, mic drop. I can't do that because Keith's going to have to pay for the mic. But what we're not going to get out of Marcus is that, you know, we're only going to get to see him one time. Yeah, you can read his books. And I tried to look him up online and he or on the podcast, and he's got a few podcasts out here. But you get these guys every single week. <laughs> you get a shot in the arm every single week from these guys. So I'm super pumped. These, our guests have quickly become over the last, I think it's 24 months that they've had the podcast, they've come become the heavyweight champs. They've become the Muhammad Ali. It is my distinct pleasure and honor to welcome you, the indisputed heavyweight champion insurance podcast guys of the world, the insurance guys podcast. Wow, that was quite an introduction. <laughs> so before we get started with the podcast today, got a few special guests that I want to introduce. But before I do, I want to say this to Keystone, how much Bradley and I appreciate and are blessed to be here with all of you today. And it means a lot to us. And I want to say a special thank you to Mr. David Bodker. I, I understand that he is in the middle of becoming a granddaddy again, but him and his management group for green lighting us being able to come here and do this podcast it means a lot to me and it means a lot to bradley and uh we are blessed and honored to be here you know the more i learn about keystone the more i love them so the first time i googled keystone on google first thing that pops up it says keystone is for people who believe that powerful partnerships generate prosperity. And one thing I have always said since the very first day this podcast started was there's a reason why wolves hunt in packs. And I think any time as an agency owner that you can partner with good people who want to help you and help you succeed, I think that is a fantastic thing. So I personally am a big fan of Keystone. And it helps that everybody I've met with Keystone Corporate since I've been here has just been Seems to be an outstanding person and is here to help all you agents that are in the audience today. So, and the second person I want to introduce for actually getting us here, and he just introduced us, Mr. Christian DeLozer. Thank you so much. That introduction, top, top notch, top notch. So, third and fourth people I want to introduce, Bradley Flowers, beautiful wife, who is a savage principal agent with State Farm. She is a rock star. Laurel, will you stand up? Laurel Flowers. And, and, and let me tell you something. She probably writes more insurance than Bradley and I do. So. Probably so. Uh, and then somebody asked me, I think it was Christian last night, he said, how in the world do you do all this? You've got three agencies you run. You've got a podcast that y'all do every week. What my answer should have been, and it wasn't, was this would be impossible for me to do without my beautiful, loving, supportive wife. And I am I love you so much. And I thank you for being here. So, thanks. 
before before we get started with the podcast, funny story of the day. I always have a funny story when I start podcasts. Bradley knows this. Yes. So yesterday I'm checking into the MGM park. My mother calls. I'm thinking, man, I, I got to get checked in so I don't answer the phone. So we're going to the bowling function that we all had last night. And I thought, well, I'm going to send her a real quick text and just tell her I'm in Las Vegas. I'm speaking at an insurance conference. Fast forward till, till after the bowling thing that we did last night. Bradley and I are at dinner with our wives. And she sends me this text message. And it says, I'm so proud of you for speaking at an insurance conference. You are very well spoken. I would love to hear you speak sometime. And I lean over to Bradley and I go, does my mother not know we have a podcast? <laughs> and of course, he nearly goes in the floor laughing hysterically. So I send her, a, I send her my, a text and I said, great news. Here's the link to the podcast. You can hear me every day speak. So that's then, my funny story of the day. And then she said, do I have to put the WWW in front of it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, 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 she did. You can imagine how that went. Guys, we are honored to be here today. I'm going to go ahead and start the podcast Again, humbled to be here, blessed to be here, want to spend an hour with everybody here. I would love to get to know all of you on a personal level. Bradley, you got anything to add before I kick this thing off? Let's roll. All right. Here we go. So, pulling the curtain back for you. If we were in a podcast studio right now, we would have headphones on. I would start the introduction. Go ahead. Here's how it goes. Three, two, one. Do we need that today? No. Okay. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on the episode today, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and the agency owner of Portal Insurance and Mobile. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together for the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm the best I have ever been. Awesome. I'm so happy to be here with everybody. And uh, I want to go ahead and get into it because we got a lot of ground to cover today and we've got a lot of information to, yep. to, to go through. So without further ado, she's originally from Nashville, Tennessee, and she currently resides in Hendersonville, North Carolina. She's a graduate of Austin Peay State University and a 25-year veteran of the insurance industry. She's a farm-to-fork agent at Morrow Insurance Agency in Marion, North Carolina, where she serves Western North Carolina farms and food-related businesses. She volunteers, teaches, and leads workshops on insurance concerns for agritourism and was recently named as one of the 20 insurance leaders to watch in 2020 by Safeco and Liberty Mutual's Agency of the Future program. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to welcome to the stage today the other incomparable Miss Tracy Cotton. I don't do handshakes. Good to see you. Good to see you. So Tracy, we got a lot of ground to cover today. But before you get in my DeLorean, go back in time for me. Here's what I need from you. I want you to tell this audience last year for your birthday what you did, which I, I I'm, was absolutely stunned to hear this. I want you to tell them what you did last year for your birthday. The 50 things. You got to tell it. So last year I turned 50 years old and it was actually at the end of 2018. I'm writing down in my planner for the next year, number 50. And I'm thinking, what can I do to celebrate? What can I do to really make this year extra special? And I came up with 50 things to do in my 50th year. I couldn't think of them all on my own, so I had a lot of help. I had a lot of friends, a lot of insurance industry friends, as a matter of fact, that helped me think of 50 new things to do. They included things like tandem skydiving, stand-up comedy, stand-up paddling, go-karts, You'd think that I would have done that by now, but Par I had parasailing? not. Parasailing? Did you parasail? Parasailing, surfing, pole dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! That's it. Podcast is over, guys. <laughs> Y'all, I'm just going to tell you, um, it's not the pole that's the problem. It's the four-inch heels. <laughs> so. I love it. So did you, did you finish all 50? I did finish all 50. What was the hardest thing you had to do? 
The hardest thing probably really was the stand up. Yeah. And it's because it's not like getting up and giving a speech. Right. Even in front right. of a, a lovely group like this, mm-hmm. you're also supposed to make people laugh. Right. Yeah. Which is hard. It is. It is. Well, I want you to do me a favor. Get, get, get in my DeLorean, passenger seat of my DeLorean, go back in time for me, and let's talk about how you got in the insurance industry and just bring us up to today. I actually answered an ad for an underwriter, mm-hmm. having no idea what that meant, for an insurance carrier in Nashville, Tennessee. I had graduated from Austin P with a psychology major, mm-hmm. didn't find a lot of work in that, and decided that I would answer this ad. Ended up as an underwriter for North Carolina within an insurance carrier that was in Tennessee. Ended up in Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, started work in independent insurance agents. And the agency that I'm working for now, Morrow, I have been with for 22 years now. I've done personal lines, I've done commercial lines, and then five years ago, I was given the opportunity to develop my own niche, and that's when I came up with Farm to Work. So, so let's talk a little bit. Guys, the podcast today, we wanted to focus on niche markets and kind of how you found your niche and, and all those different things that we talked about over you know, on a conference call the other day. Tell us a little bit about how you first realized you know, that farm, farming was your passion and it's what you wanted to get into. How did that all come about? Well, it's, it's one of those things that's kind of interesting because I don't know if there was a chicken and an egg. Farm reference. Uh, And my last name is Cotton, in case you missed that part. I did not choose that first, obviously. That just came with the package. One of the things that I recognized was that if I was going to have to spend as much time as I feel is really necessary to be effective within a niche, you really have to spend some time in that niche. Whether or not you're hanging out with those people or you're researching that particular topic or you're getting to know that industry, what did I want to spend time doing? Going to farmer's markets, craft breweries, hanging out on some farms, maybe doing a little bit of yoga with goats. Seemed like a really good idea. But the other thing, of course, is we didn't have anybody in the agency who wanted to do it. We had three very strong markets, uh, thanks in part to Keystone, because we already had Everett Cash Mutual. We had Westfield, and then we also had uh, just, we've also since then gotten nationwide, and their agribusiness uh, is the number one in the country, and that was one of the things that we really needed. But nobody else in the agency wanted to do it. It's a little bit too personal for a lot of agents, and it's a little bit too commercial for a lot of agents. A lot of moving so parts. It, you've, got, you've got both of those that play a part in most of the farms that are out there today, and we had the markets, and we just had nobody else that wanted to do it. And I had a background in both personal lines and in commercial, and it seemed to make the most sense. But for me, I think that really – it really boiled down to what was I willing to spend the time actually getting to know. And I think that some of y'all actually probably have really good markets and maybe you just fall into something. I was talking to one of the guys last night, we're in bowling and he does towing operations. He wrote one, realized he was good at it and he has continued ever since. And he's writing now like like seven different States. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's something that you just realize that you've got a really good market for and you've got a, a real drive for. For me, it really needed to be something I was passionate about, both within the parameters of what I do as a career as well as um, it's something that appeals to my heart. I grew up uh, with uh, a farm uh, in my family, and that was a part of my history that I felt like I wanted to be a part of because I really think that that's something that is in danger and was it something I could actually play a part in trying to ensure the future of agriculture and that's kind of where I ended up. What's been the hardest part to learn? Speaking farm. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things that I had shared with uh, with Liberty Mutual when uh, we were talking doing some of the interviews that ended up leading to the, the 20 emerging leaders was, and it's you can see that in their white paper, is that I didn't know where to start. I, I knew that I knew a few farmers, and I knew that if I probably reached out to them, they would have been very helpful, and I'm sure they would have been more than willing to let me come out and learn a little bit. But I was already really active on Twitter, and I thought, I'm going to have to give that up probably because I don't farm, think Twitter. Farm Twitter. There's probably no crossover there. But just went ahead and did a little bit of research and found the hashtag ag twitter started following ag twitter and realized that it was a very active conversation uh, from farmers all across the united states and in canada and that's like going and sitting at their water cooler Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they do regular chats. I got to be a part of some of those. And it, it's just been a, a great way over the last five years to really get to know that niche was because I literally could just, you know, go out and look and see what everybody was talking about. Twitter is a giant cocktail party. It's absolutely. That's all it is. And it's so interesting you bring that up because, you know, Scott and I both get a lot of agents reaching out to us online, Facebook, Instagram, email. I had three people reach out today that had heard the podcast and had questions. And most everybody, I think you would agree, most everybody knows they need to jump head first into social media, but they don't know how. Yeah. And there's there's maybe a little bit of insecurity there. Yeah, a lot of insecurity. And one of the thing, one of the common objections I know that I get is, well, my client's not there. You know, we do big commercial stuff. We do this, we do that. My client's not there. Everybody's on social media. You just have to find them. And I think that kind of speaks to what you were saying, right? I think that's so interesting that of all places, Twitter. And the point being is that, I mean, is that all North Carolina farms that I would possibly write? No. Although I've, I've definitely run across some that are on Twitter. The bigger picture is that, I mean, especially if you're planning on maybe expanding your operation beyond the state of North Carolina to begin with, and you can do that with Keystone because there's a lot of ways that they can help you with that. Why not go ahead and be looking at farther afoot anyway? Uh, and so if I'm hearing from, and the farmers are going to have some of the same problems anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you're in that industry and you start realizing what the, the issues are, everybody has those same issues, whether they're, you know, somebody who, you know, you're trying to do cyber for uh, nonprofits, almost all nonprofits have the same issues, even right. if they're doing different types of work. How long did it take you? I find this to be very interesting uh, about niches. How long did it take you to kind of position yourself as the expert in your particular niche? Because I've got friends of mine who are world-class mm-hmm. insurance agents that have been working <laughs> on a particular niche for a couple of years and still nobody knows it. Yeah. They're still, they're still kind of struggling to mm-hmm. get to that point where that phone's ringing all the time from, you know, people who have heard. It's a good question. You know, I, I have to say that some of it's luck and, and I'll tell you where I made my luck. Um, because that's kind of the reality is you kind of make your own luck on some of these things as well <laughs> is because of the amount of time that I was spending on Twitter. I made friends with, on Twitter, the corporate dietitian for Ingalls, who knows so many people in the Western North Carolina food and farm industry, on Twitter, she just happened to see what I was saying. She knew that I was watching her and retweeting her, and we had coffee together. Well, she literally reached out and said, hey, we need to have coffee. And I'm like, who does that? And uh, so that was probably three years ago, and Leah has been a tremendous influencer for me. And so sometimes it is in finding somebody who can be a champion for you, who is Mm -hmm. connected to that industry. It could be that you just do make that one client really, really happy after you write them and Mm -hmm. they're going to talk about you and they could be opening doors for you. But I think that it was luck. The other probably opportunity that I had was through volunteering. I had started five years ago volunteering with the Appalachian Sustainable Agriculture Project, something that I wanted to do anyway, something I love to do anyway, and it's giving back to the community that I care so much about. Now, not only do I have regular speaking gigs with them, but I also get regular referrals through them. They can't obviously give out only my name, but I get talked about a lot more because they know me. I've spent time Mm -hmm. with them uh, at their conferences or farm tours and things like that. And and they know that they can depend on me from, you know, the fact that I care about the community. But the thing is too, with what I love about niches and Scott has a niche in habitational is habitational guys talk to other habitational guys or gals and farmers talk to other farmers. And the thing about deep diving in these niches and growing vertically is you're going to get a lot more referrals than you would just being a journalist. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. The the niche world, what I've learned and it's exactly what you just talked about is you've got to position yourself as an expert and the more tentacles you have out there and you're either geographical area or if you're wanting to go across the country with it, the, the, the farther your reach is with different experts and people that are in that industry and, like you said, you know, retweeting somebody who's kind of a thought leader in that particular industry and then connecting with them and here's the door and it blows wide open for you. You know, I've seen that happen time and time again. You know, Mike Stromso talks about niches a lot. Mike says personal lines is great. If you can find a niche in commercial with good premium, that's great. And if you can ever create a program that nobody else has, then you're making Oprah Winfrey money then. 
That's Oprah Winfrey money. When you can when you can create a program that nobody else in the country has, but you've got it and you can start hitting the you know yeah. all cylinders, you you are about to talk a little bit about tending, being involved in and speaking at events not geared towards insurance, but geared towards farming and how going after those kind of things has been beneficial, especially towards making yourself an expert. Well, and literally speaking, I because of Leah, I got put up for a speaking gig just a few weeks ago for the Southeastern Apple Growers. And one of the things they said to me as soon as they called me up and said, we'd really like you to speak at our conference, but you can't speak about insurance. <laughs> Why are you calling me? Well, Leah said that you're really good with social media, and we would really like somebody to come and speak to us about that. We've got a couple other people on a panel that are already growers and what they're doing, but we'd really like to have somebody else. And, of course, they still had to introduce me as Morrow Insurance Agency. There you go. And I'm in front of the whole room of people, and I can speak to what I know that is a problem with them, which is that most of them, because of the fact that they're growers, they have a certain season, and that's the season that they emphasize on their social media. And come wintertime, they just drop off. Like their Facebook page just goes to zero posts. Well, we all know that that's a death knell. You, you have to continue posting even in times that there's not a whole lot going on. Well, what do they post about? How do they create that enthusiasm for their product and for their fan base year round? And I could speak to that because I know them and I, I spent a lot of time looking at their social media and inter- interacting with them and engaging with them online. So I already knew that. It wasn't a matter of me having to really learn yeah. something as much as it was just really going back and pointing out what I had learned from the bigger picture of having spent time with, with that. It's one of the pain points you uncovered. So, but it wasn't about insurance. And that's right. okay too. I well, think sometimes. that's, you know, we do a lot of lender referrals at my agency. And up until 2018, I was kind of standoffish. I didn't want to baby a bunch of lenders or realtors. Everybody here understands what I'm talking about. And how I got started is a buddy of mine worked at Keller Williams. And he was like, you know, hey, I want you to come speak to our group. But since you're an insurance agent, you're going to have to pay $100. Like, I'm not going to pay $100. And I was like, how about this? How about I talk about social media? I don't even talk about insurance. And they set off a a 30-minute block. And they were like, we can't make it mandatory since you're not paying. We had 70 people show up. And all I did was talk about very, very, very basic social media stuff. Very basic. And four hours later, the last question was asked. And that's what catapulted our lender referrals off something that had nothing to do with insurance, just providing value to that audience. So it's 2020 now. Business plans have been made. You obviously have goals and things that you're looking forward to doing in 2020. Give our agents that are sitting in here right now a few actionable steps of things that you feel like if you're going to get into the niche business and you're going to start a niche, what are some things that you feel like out of the gate they need to do to get going? And I really would say that to go back and and really look and see where your opportunities are, uh, what you may already have connections to uh, within the agency. Maybe you already have an ancillary product or you're already really good at one niche. And a lot of times niches can serve each other. Uh, They can actually cross pollinate. Uh, That's one of those things where you've already got somebody who's doing crop insurance, but nobody's doing farm insurance. Those are those kinds of things that they can cross pollinate. Or you've already got markets. And a lot of us know, ignore this company people because I know that you're the ones that are saying it. Did you know we're really good at such and such? And you're like, whatever, I hate garages. Well, somebody needs to do garages. Do you have an opportunity in your area to do garages? Mm -hmm. You've probably got somebody who really would like to help you with that. And so if you've got carrier backup, that makes things a lot easier. And in some cases with one of the carriers we have, I've even gotten leads list because they literally, they already had that going and they were happy to share that with me because they knew that was something that I wanted to pursue. So if you can get that kind of backup. The other thing that I would talk to you about that has to do with me specifically is branding. And one of the things that I would say, if you're really wanting to go into a niche, it becomes more than just the agency. You have to lead, of course, with the agency because your agency is going to be your backup. You, you want to make sure that everybody understands that you've got a really strong agency that came from whatever and whatever differentiated you as an agency. But you are the product very often in for a niche market. You're going to be the product. And how do you present yourself? I have a set of business cards that are not the same as the rest of the agency. They have vegetables on them. There's a reason for that. And and there's there's a lot of other things that I do, whether it be from blogging or whether or not it be from video. It's it's about me. It's Morrow Insurance Agency and it's very clear about it, but you have to have buy-in 
from your management to be able to do that as a producer. And sometimes it's a little harder than others. I'm very fortunate that I didn't have to really overcome a lot with my agency for that. They just go, oh, well, Tracy does whatever. And they let me do my thing. But not everybody feels that way because you're really building something that there can be a little bit of concern about what are they building that are they going to possibly take someplace else. And that's one of those things that I just think it's really important that you know that you've got to have a little bit of investment with that as well is it can't be just you depending upon the agency to market. You have to also be willing, if you're going to go into a niche, you've got to be willing to find a way to develop yourself as the brand and what it is that you're bringing to your potential customers that somebody else is not that has to do with that niche. One of the things that I'm super passionate about on that note is kind of the opposite of what you were talking about, convincing principal agents to let their people brand themselves and stop being scared that that's going to go out the door because just this two days ago, I gave a, a social media presentation to a group of insurance agents. I had a guy that met me in the elevator and he just so happened to be in the same town as me. He's like, yeah, man, I'm working for such and such. We're obviously going to have to edit this out of the podcast, but he's like, I'm working for such and such and I really want to do all this social media stuff, but they won't let me. That's the future. You have to get to a point to where either the agency's doing some social media or branding themselves really, really good, or you've got to brand yourself and they have to be okay with it. And obviously there's a threat of an employee or a producer building their brand. When they build a brand, they build leverage and they build that brand and then they leave. Well, my counter to that is, and I want to get Scott's opinion on this and Tracy's, is eventually if they're the type of person like Tracy, who's really good at building a brand, really good at developing a niche, is passionate about that and wants to do it, they're going to realize it eventually. What are the chances of them leaving in that scenario versus you being the one encouraging them and pushing them to go do that? And if you do that and they are still the type of person that is going to try and get one over on you, you're going to realize it before it happens. What do you think about that? I think uh, we all have our phone surgically attached to our arm. And, you know, uh, the more, uh, this is something Kim and I talk about fairly frequently is with all my people, you know, I, I wish that more of my agency did brand themselves. Mm-hmm. If they want to go out five years from now and, and go, you know, change the world and do it on their own, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Now, don't, don't come take all my... Yeah. clients away when you go do it. But if but, you're the one trying to hold that back, that's yeah, going to increase the chance that that happens. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. So I really believe that in today's age, you know, the more of all of us in here that are principal agents that we can get our staff, our team members, our business partners to get on social media and promote the agency and promote what they do, not in a Hey, come down and buy insurance from us. But just from uh, just being on there and mentioning the agency yeah. sometimes, you know, I want I, I want people calling my agency and asking for different team members. I don't want them to ask for me. Right, absolutely. You know how how important was that encouragement from your agency in you developing this niche and marketing it? I'm not trying to take credit away from them, but there was not as much encouragement as it was just go do it, go do it. Yeah, and that right there. That's freedom. Mm-hmm. And I actually have talked to, to folks who, you know, who've gone other places and, and, you know, and you could, I could jump someplace else. But why would I do that when I have an agency that maybe they're not coming around going at a girl all the time, but instead the other thing is they're giving me the freedom to do what they know that I want to do. To me, that's just as important. Mm-hmm. And, and so you have to have somebody who's self-motivated. I mean, really, I think for, for any of us, if we're going to be trying to do a niche, you have to have some motivation somewhere because it, it is a lot. Um, you know, generalists can just wait for the phone to ring. And I say that jokingly, seriously. Aggressively know, waiting on the phone to ring. Aggressively waiting for the phone to ring because there's still that. But when you know that you're the one out making the rain, and, and all of us that are in sales know that we're making the rain, but knowing that it really is up to you um, if it's going to happen and you're not just relying strictly on the agency website. And that's fantastic. If you've got a really good agency website, kudos to you. Most of us have something that's pretty serviceable. And in some cases, we've got some things that are really improving. But still, it's probably not going to really probably always really address the needs that you may be trying to address specifically. And that's where you're going to have to perhaps, as Marcus Sheridan shared with us this morning, you're going to have to create content. Mm -hmm. 
And that does take some time. Not only does it take some time, but it also takes some time for you to get payoff on it. And you have to be uh-huh. a little patient with that. You said, you know, how, how long has it taken? For me to start getting more speaking gigs, it probably took a couple of years for me to start getting that. To see traction on... Just some, writing business. On writing business off of some of the things that I've actually published. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that, I say publish, but put on the internet. There's literally, like, you just never know when I'm going to get a phone call and go, oh, you're all the way down in Wilmington? Do y'all know where I'm located? I'm in outside of Asheville. We don't care. We saw your article and we really would like to do business with you. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's huge, but it was because they saw an article yeah. uh, or they saw a video. And those are the things that you put them out there and you just think, oh, you know, if I, if I can get a lot of people to watch it, well, a lot of times it's just going to take time yeah. um, and it's going to take somebody, you know, but if you've got the right words, you're like putting the right words out there. I think that that's important too. So you do blogs? I do blogs. What, what's been the one thing that, that you think has been the biggest biggest thing to lead to some business? Is it blogs? Is it video? And I know the the real answer is a combination of everything, but what's been the one thing you feel like is the X factor? That if everybody here was only going to do one thing to develop a niche in terms from a marketing standpoint, what would that be? The video is, is I think is going to be where it's going to be at, but right now it's a lot of it is still about the written blog. And that's because those are very often going to be the pieces that can be evergreen. Mm -hmm. And and I won't say that video is not evergreen. That was just one of the things that I've kind of learned is the articles that I've written already that people are finding can be from two or three years ago. It's not that a lot of the information has changed. Videos a lot of times are a little bit more, they need to be a little fresher and you need to be a little bit more conscientious about making sure that those are fresher on your websites. Yeah, one, one thing that we're seeing, Bradley and I are seeing, we get a chance to interview some of the largest uh, independent agencies in the country and uh, what we're seeing happen today is the, the larger agencies are hiring a marketing team. So you'll have a guy that's doing nothing but videography. You'll have a guy that's a blogger. You'll have a guy that's a social media content guy all within the agency. And, of course, the rest of the agency force and, and you know, account managers and salespeople are like, what, you know, what are these guys doing? They're just creating content all the time during the day. Sometimes at night, they're they're posting all during the day content for the agency and including the agency force in that content. Well, it's like, like JAG Insurance oh, down in Miami. The, I don't know how big they are. They're massive. They hired three people in their media team that their job is to only create content all day long. And JAG writes big stuff, skyscrapers, things like that. But their whole theory behind it, and it was working for them, is okay, let's say nobody reaches out to us on Instagram and says, hey, we want you to insure our skyscraper, right? But if we can find the right people and target those people, if they already know who we are before we walk in the door for the meeting, we've skipped, we've fast-forwarded through the first two to three meetings in that process. And they know our personalities, they form an affinity to that. Yeah, you've already gained altitude before you ever walk in the door. Yeah. Because the more you, your own social media, the more people, and I've seen it just since I've been here, a uh, lot with Christian, you know, you meet somebody that you've seen on social media and it's almost like you feel like you've known them forever, you know, or yeah. it's like meeting an old friend or something. It's very, I've always said that's a little odd the way that works, but anytime you see somebody that you've been following on social media a lot, it seems like you kind of already have gone four steps down the road of getting to know each other. Look, I'll tell you right now, Bradley Flowers had to insure farms in Alabama. I would start a farm podcast around farming for farmers to target farmers. And I would not talk about insurance. The longer you, the longer, when you do a podcast, the longer you can go without talking about your product, the more of your product you're going to sell because you're just providing a million percent value. She's smiling like she's thinking about doing that or or going to do that or doing it. All you have to do is get the people in the community or the state that you're serving to come on and talk about cotton and talk about. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to have farm vendors reach out wanting yeah. to pay for it. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, right, yeah. So that, that's what I would do around any niche. I think every insurance agent should have a podcast of some sort targeting some demographic from the super complex, super niche down to the Hendersonville, North Carolina business podcast. Guys, for two years, two years I've been saying this. I love Bradley Flowers more than anything in this world. But the biggest mistake I ever made, probably in my life, was doing a podcast with him. <laughs> I'm serious. Because what I should have done was start a, a multifamily property investment podcast, and I would probably have 
five to ten more million dollars in premium yeah. right now today if yeah. I had done that. But instead, I chose to talk to all of you guys. So. <laughs> well, you know, and, I, and, there, and, and, and no one person in this room has enough capacity in my in my mind anyway to, to like focus on five or six different podcasts that you're doing. Yeah, and, and run three insurance agencies and see about your family and all. So we've all in this room only have so much capacity. There's only, you know, yeah. the one thing that pisses Bill Gates off more than anything in this world is the fact he, he doesn't have more than 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And, and so you only have so much capacity. But I wish I had done that. Well, it's one of those things I tell people when we started this. We had a conversation about, okay, do we want this to be industry-facing or do we want this to be consumer-facing? Right. And the reason we didn't do a general insurance podcast that was consumer-facing was we did not want any of the sleep aid companies to sue us. That's right. Because we yeah. put so many people to sleep. Yeah. But we, we were about to put, uh, what's that sleep aid that everybody sleepwalks on with? Uh, I don't know. Ambient. We were about to put Ambient out of business. We're not a paid start sponsorship. We are going to start an insurance podcast for consumers. Can you see me up there like, guys, we're going to get into some uninsured motorists today with y'all. And uh, people are just like, hey, you know wrecking driving down the road would be yeah. horrible would be good anyway. tracy talk about farm to fork how you came up with the name was it this aha moment did you put a lot of work into it where did that come from well i i know that and for some of y'all that follow gary vanderschuk his whole thing is that you should only go uh you should go a mile deep but only an inch wide mm. and and i would love to say that that's what i decided to do with farm but I just can't be that focused. I'm a little ADHD, and so it was really like tempting to go ahead and include the brewers and the wineries and the food manufacturers <laughs> and the cheesemakers. They're all tied together, and it's such a very close-knit close community that I realized that I did not want to, to turn anybody away from each other. And if nothing else, I really like the idea to be able to connect them. And so that's one of the things that's been a really another value add for me is when I talk to somebody who, say, for instance, has a brewery, I'll say to them, by the way, did you know that there's actually several farmers in this area that would really love to talk to you about whether or not you need fresh blueberries or do you need some herbal type of additives because there's lots of that that's going on now in the, the craft brewing uh, arena or vice versa. Maybe they've got a restaurant and they're really looking for some good connections for, uh, for them to get more product in that is more farm to fork related. And if nothing else, just the fact that I spend so much time in that community talking to the different folks within it, uh, it's been just great because, again, that puts me as if I actually know something about something. Mm. I, I have a question about the brewery insurance. Can you get me some free samples? <laughs> you just need to come to Asheville. You I will do that. Your lovely wife would come with I you. I will do that. I will do that. Can you mind if I, anybody, does any, anybody want to start the ball rolling, asking questions? Christian, <coughs> Christian. About podcast, about yeah, podcasting, life, whatever. And you can yell if you don't want to talk into the mic. It's okay. So if, if you're thinking about starting a blog, what uh, what regularity or frequency would you start with? Mm. I, let, let me let me say this, okay? As it relates to podcasting, I have about three rules that I tell people when they're going to start. And I've helped people start some very successful podcasts. One of my rules is I don't care if you do it every day. Every week, every every three weeks, but whenever you're going to do it, always release it same time, same chance, same time, same day, every single week. Bradley will tell you we've got four or five podcast listeners, not Christian. If we do not release at eight a.m. on Wednesday, they are blowing our phone up. Like, where where's the podcast? Why is it up right now? And, and because we release every Wednesday at eight a.m. and so uh, just that consistency. So my, my answer to you would be, don't care what you do. You do, you know, I think once a day for a blog. Is that, do you do once a day? I was going to say, <laughs> that's pretty strong if you're doing once a week, okay, for a blog. I would just release it at the same time every week and then take it out across all social media, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, all, all, you know, blast it out all over the place. That, that's my answer. And, and I would actually agree that it's the consistency that's the key right. uh, once you get going with it. And I'm actually have been very lousy about that. And the thing that I think that does help out with that is once you determine what it is that you're doing, do it in batches. Just like Marcus was talking about batch doing videos. If you can set aside 
I mean, maybe it's, you know, on a weekend or maybe it's one evening during the week and you can get a couple of three knocked out and you know you've got that ahead of time and you keep on keeping on like a little bit ahead of time. That way, if you're going to get too busy and you feel like there's any possibility you wouldn't be able to get something out that week, you've already got one in the can. And and if you have been doing a little bit of your homework to actually be thinking ahead of time and really coming up with some of those topics ahead of time, you shouldn't have any problem coming up with fresh material on a pretty regular basis because also once you get going, it kind of creates itself in a way. So you hit the nail on the head with the consistency. Doesn't matter what you do as long as you're consistent, but literally, and some of the other insurance podcasts who are all our friends aren't as consistent as we are because they don't batch record. The one thing that has been the catalyst to allow us, we live six hours apart. The, the one thing that has allowed us to consistently release is the fact that he drives down. We do 16 episodes in two days and then we can drip them out. Oh, let me and, tell you something. Do 16 podcasts over two <laughs> days, each one an hour long. And when it's over, you go get in your walk-in closet in your hotel room and crawl up in a little ball and go to sleep. This is this is nothing compared to 16. It is literally <laughs> like running a marathon but, mentally because you're, you know. Yeah, and the other part to that too, I think people who are blogging, who are putting themselves out there, who are branding themselves, the people who are doing it, one of the mistakes that they make is in the distribution part. People will make this great video and they'll just put it on Facebook or they'll just put it on LinkedIn. You need to distribute it everywhere. So when she was talking about the blog, I would go, I would host, I would have it on my website for traffic, SEO, things like mm-hmm. that. I would have it on medium.com, which is a social media for blogs, essentially. I would put it on LinkedIn. I'd put it on Facebook. And then I would cross post the different forms. So maybe this week we're posting the Medium article on Facebook, but next Tuesday we're going to post the LinkedIn article. It's the same article, but those different, for lack of a better term, those, those different mediums may appeal to different, different viewers. So the distribution is really, really key too. And from that blog, you can find maybe a quote that sounds really, really good. And that can be a Facebook post with text over it. A lot of my, a lot, you follow me on Twitter. A lot of my tweets come from when I'm writing the caption for an Instagram post. I'm writing the caption and I'll type something. I'll be like, wow, that's rather profound. And I'll go to Twitter and tweet it. So, so a lot of times you'll get inspiration from doing different things. Nice question. I think we're both Grant Cardone fans or all, all of us are Grant Cardone fans and there may be some other ones here. And one of the things he talks about is don't wait till it's perfect. It's kind of like trying to figure out when's the perfect time to have a kid. Well, there is the perfect time to have a child. You just kind of have them when you can have them. But, um, what is one of the mantras that you share about taking action for those people that are in the room that might say, listen, all I say is this rewards come from action, not discussion. I've had about three people. Asked me since I've been here, how in the world did y'all start this podcast? Well, we, we just started it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I go down to Mobile. I interview Bradley to talk about social media in his office. I turn the camera off. I look at Bradley and I said, you know what we need to do? We need to do a podcast together. Mm-hmm. And he said, uh, okay, well, let's do it. And I said, now, listen, don't say you're going to do it and let's, not, and let's not do it. So it's just, it's just action. You know, you yeah. talked about blogging. You know what the first thing you need to do is? Write a on blog. You know, yeah. write your first one. Do the first one. The beautiful thing about starting is nobody's watching yet. Right. And and, and our first two podcasts oh, were so awful. bad that we re-recorded them. Yeah, they were awful. Nobody was watching though, so it did yeah. not matter. Right. And that's the that's the thing when you're starting, it's not going to matter. And then by the time it, we we probably should have left them up. The reason we didn't leave them up is we didn't want somebody that to be the first episode somebody listened to and think, oh my god, I'm not ever listening to this again. But it kind of like, let's say you write this blog or you do a video and it's absolutely God awful. That's going to be hilarious for you to look back two years from now when you have a full time media team at your agency that is putting together, you know, movie quality stuff. Right. I mean, Joe Rogan has the largest podcast in the world. And I hear him sometimes on his podcast talk about I can't even go back and listen to my first 50 podcasts because yeah. they were so awful. Yeah. You know, they just he just wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, when he started, of course, now he's got however many he's got. I used to get huge anxiety because we would record these like six weeks out, and 
I would be like, oh my God, did I say something right. that I thought was kosher then that's not kosher now or did I sound stupid? But I'll be listening now and I don't listen to many of them because I hear them live obviously, but I'll be listening and I'll think, man, Bradley, it'd be really good if you said that right then and then I'll say it. So what happens when you're doing this, whether it's video, blog, whatever, you learn to trust yourself yeah. and you learn to kind of go with your gut on things. So Next question. Throw us a hard one. Come on. Somebody throw me a curveball. Bueller. You have multiple, uh, like uh, Tracy, I was looking at your uh, uh, Twitter, and I know that you have a personal, or you just have one Twitter handle that's you might incorporate something like I was doing with yesterday. And MGM, obviously flooded with all the insurance articles, and uh, I've always struggled that with like Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, my wife thinks that, you know, those like teenage girls sometimes. <laughs> I can, can I ask you a question? Do you have a Facebook personal page and a Facebook business page? Not yet. Okay. Well, Bradley's about to give you about a four-hour lecture here in just a second. <laughs> Get ready. Hope you. <laughs> hope you brought a pillow. It might be here till three o'clock in the morning. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it first because I think that he is gonna probably go off on a tangent here, but. I would say that if you already have podcast, he knows me. <laughs> Sorry. I, I I would have to say if you already have a presence on something, which for me, Twitter and Instagram, I did not start out with separate. The only one that I've got separate is Facebook, and that's because I've got old, 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 old stuff on Facebook, and I decided it was better for me to have an agent page where I could be very, very specific about what I wanted to post. But Twitter, I already had a following, and I just decided. But they can follow me or they don't have to follow me. I'm going to talk about farm to fork. But I also talk about my life. And that's something that I would greatly, greatly encourage each and every one of you on whatever you're doing on social media as a brand, again, for yourself personally, and for that matter, even for the agency, talk about who you are because people don't do business with, with, you know, with, with brands per se. I mean, we've got brands up here, but they want to do business with people. And so, a lot of my posts were about my 50 for 50 last year on my Instagram. I had plenty of my farm clients that asked me, so how was that? They already know something about me that is important. It's important to them that I'm somebody that's willing to put myself out there. And maybe that means that that translates into something that I'd be willing to do for them. But maybe it just shows that I'm a person, which I think is very important. So whatever you do, don't hide whatever you choose to do. If you're going to have a, a an actual you know agency presence or you're going to have a an agent page still put some things on there that show that you post like a teenage girl if that's what you do i I get asked that question a lot do i need do i do personal do i do business how much do i share on the personal how much do i do i keep from sharing on the personal and the answer is you have to have both you need to have a personal page and you need to have a business page and you need to strategically use both of them do not change your name on your personal page to John Smith insurance agent. Okay. You're just John Smith. I apologize. I didn't catch your name. Do not post a ton of insurance content on your personal page. Strategically post insurance content on your personal page. But what I would do in the beginning is you have both of those pages and you need to to allow them to work together. And what I mean by that is, Post something on your business page, share it to your personal page. Don't do it every time, only do it when it's something really, really good that you know is gonna appeal to your audience. You're gonna have people on your personal page that are then gonna follow your business page. You're also gonna have people who are gonna like to post every time and never follow. Those people aren't our friends, joke. But you kinda use the two pages to work together. I have Bradley Flowers pages, which is Bradley documenting Bradley Flowers' journey. Bradley Flowers personal brand, and then I also have Portal Insurance, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, all that good stuff, right? And frankly, the reason I have Bradley Flowers and I have Portal Insurance is I don't ever want to be pigeonholed to just Portal Insurance. If I decide to go sell bananas, I want to be able to pivot that personal brand without having to do a breakup, right? So you you have both and you you work together with them. Does that make sense? And I personally have a huge advantage over most people. I have a uh, English bulldog named Nash, who is one of the funniest animals in the history of the world. And then outside in my backyard, we have a Nigerian dwarf goat named Oakley, who right now, as we sit here, is eating the screen porch off my back porch. <laughs> I, hand to God, it's just true. 
but you know, Mike Stromso always talks about if you want to do video, do kids and animals. People love kids yeah. and animals. I created Nash a Instagram page, and he had 120 followers in two days. I'm like, yep, that's all you got to do. Yep. So kids and dogs and animals, people love that stuff, and the more you can post that stuff, every time I do, every time we do, we yep. always get tons of comments and people that we don't even know will walk up to us in the grocery store and say, hey, how's, how's Nash doing? How's Oakley doing? Yep. And I'm thinking, my goodness gracious, <laughs> man, the reach of the social yep. media is just amazing. And insurance, you've got to entertain, educate, or scare. Most of your competition are going with entertaining and scaring. We've got to figure out how to do a little bit of all three. And don't be the guy or the girl that posts, Happy Veterans Day. Who wants to get a quote? We're open today. <laughs> don't do that. But strategically figure out a way to tie everything back into insurance. An example I gave this week was I had a guy ask me, he said, what happens if I get a, I talk, one thing I talk about is documenting what's going on in your day. People want to see your journey, as you talked about. And I had a guy say, okay, so if I get a flat tire on the way home, what do I do? I said, you know, do you represent car insurance companies that offer ERS? He's like, yes, take a picture. Thank God I have XYZ ERS through our agency. That's a good way to tie it in. And guess what's going to happen? People are going to ask you, hey, man, did you get through that flat tire? Yeah, I've been there, that sort of thing, right? You're showing your audience behind the scenes. You're showing them the warts, and that's what they can relate to. They don't want to see perfect. Guys, it's time for me to wrap this thing up. And as I say, well, before I say that, thank you for being on the show today. It means a lot. So as I say, I end every episode, and I say rewards come from action, not discussion. Get out there, get, get out from behind the desk, stop shuffling paperwork, stop looking at scorecard bonuses, Laurel, stop, stop, stop doing the paperwork shuffle and, and looking at all the reports and go build relationships with people in your community. Do it through social media, do it through all the many volunteer things like Tracy's doing with what she's got going on with her niche, but get out there in the public and meet people Write good business for the agencies that you represent and write good business for the companies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thank you, Scott and Bradley and Tracy. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.